Welcome to Geared for Growth. I'm your host, Mike Mortlock, Managing Director of MCG Quantity Surveyors and Tax Depreciation Super Nerd. Today, we are talking with Jess Ellum from Ellum Property, who's a buyer's agent based in South Australia, in Adelaide. And the topic is what to expect when you're inspecting a potential investment property. Now, Jess has a very detailed checklist of the things that she goes through when inspecting a property. And based on her evidence, not a lot of people go into a property with a clear checklist or things that they want to achieve when they're doing that inspection and she is very very different there so we talked to her about her top tips about being prepared about taking detailed notes and a video walkthrough and keeping an eye out for structural issues and all the way through to building rapport with an agent to try and get as much information as you can. If you're inspecting a potential investment property, then you need to go with a plan and Jess is the lady to help you put that together. Here's Jess. Jess Ellum, thanks for joining me on Geared for Growth. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. I only asked you about a year ago, but uh, you're you're in demand in Adelaide because it's, it's boom times, right? Oh, Adelaide is still going crazy. Um, I started my business, as you know, a couple of years ago and it was probably the best time to start and uh, Adelaide's, I think, the new hotspot for purchasing investment properties and the rest of Australia and the world are realising that from, um, yeah, all of the investors that I'm helping anyway. It's great. I hadn't been to Adelaide up until recently for you know maybe a, a decade, uh, and all I really remembered was that there was a pub with an indoor driving range. This this trip, <laughs> I got to see a little bit of the the nightlife and the beautiful Barossa Valley. I, you know, Adelaide is one of those places like Canberra. We East Coasters like to make fun of here and there, but I'm running out of material now. It's a beautiful part of the world, and and the market, as you say, it's going off. Yeah, it is a beautiful part of the world. Um, And I think that's what a lot of people are realising. They're coming here for a holiday and then they're just falling in love with it. Mm. So, yeah, you're right. So for people that have fallen in love with Adelaide or let's say anywhere in the country, today the topic we're talking about is what to expect when inspecting a potential investment property. So what we want to unpack is your secret herbs and spices and the way that you go about, as much as you're willing to share, your process when inspecting a property, what to look for, where the sort of pitfalls are, and maybe some of the red flags. So does does that begin with your online research, preparing yourself for the things that you want to look at? I mean, what's your process? Well, yeah, it definitely does start with uh, some initial due diligence once you've got a certain property in mind. Um, and then, of course, you, you need to inspect the property. So just really being prepared and going with a checklist is um, my first recommendation. Um, this, you know, helps with just noting down, you know, maintenance issues that you might pick up uh, as well as, you know, just attributes about the property. So, yes, it does start with, you know, initial online research um, as much as you can and as much, um, you know, to whatever you have access to, of course, um, and then inspecting the property and, and doing all that due diligence once you're there. With these checklists that you mentioned, I mean, are there online versions? Do REA produce something like that? Or is this, you know, Jess Ellen proprietary limited style stuff that you're <laughs> ticking off as you go through? They are. Yeah, they are my own checklist. It's my own checklist that I have generated. 
Um, but anyone can can do that, and I'm sure there are um, areas where you could find just a general one. Um, but I, I'm happy to go through some of those points today that I like uh, of the attributes that I check for. Um, but yeah, it's definitely my own checklist that I, I go through with. Well, let, well, let's go through some of those those main checklist uh, items now. When you're inspecting the property, what information would you typically have at hand beforehand? I mean, would you normally have a building in pest report that you can have a look at? You know, what what are some of the things that you maybe have seen that you're actually going to look at as to, as opposed to things that you're looking to discover in the then and there? So I don't do a building inspection prior and I look at the property first because once you're looking, once you get to the property and you look through it, there are usually um, areas and signs of, um, you know, maybe maintenance issues that you can pick up on. Um, so I do like to note it when I'm there. So um, I guess, you know, the initial research is more around um, uh, pinpointing the area that you're interested in. And then of course the property type, whether it's a house or a unit, um, you know, looking at the recent sales of the area and any of the online information that you can see that the agent's given you. And of course, calling the agent to find out a little bit more about it to see if it could be a, a quality investment prior to going. And then once you're there, it's when you look at, you know, all of the, the attributes of the property. I love to compare some of the marketing photos that agents put up to, say, the inspection <laughs> photos that we take when we're there. Now, obviously, our people aren't trained photographers and it looks pretty raw, but sometimes you kind of think, gosh, even with the best lens and the best setup, we're not going to be able to reproduce that. How, how often mm-hmm. do you see a real disparity between what's been advertised and what's, what's there in person? Oh, look, it does happen a lot. So that's why you, you can't definitely cannot go by the photos. So um, I also like to do a, a walkthrough video of the property. So once I've gone through my checklist, a walkthrough video is taken and it's quite detailed. And this helps me as well as my investor to have a good look at the property. I can go back on the video um, and look at, you know, certain areas that I need to, to just check again. But yeah, it does happen quite a lot where you've seen this, you know, beautiful property online with all these great, you know, Photoshop photos sometimes, I guess. And then you can go to the property and you can see that, yeah, the, the walls need painting or the carpet needs replacing. There's cracks in the, in some of the rooms. So it does happen sometimes. Yes. So apart from things like structural issues or cracks or, or maintenance issues, what are some of the other key things that you're really looking at? Um, so definitely the neighbourhood. So once you're at the front of the property, having a good look at the surrounding properties just to see how they're you know, maintained, you know, any loud noises from aircrafts or, or cars or traffic. So just to get a good feel of the, the street itself, um, once you're in the property, the, the aspect of the property, so um, ideally you want the living area facing north um, or the backyard facing north to, to bring in as much natural light as possible. And then that leads to, you know, is there enough light throughout the house? I think that's really important for resale and just appeal to tenants. 
Um, so apart from, you know, oh, as well as uh, landscaping, so looking at the, the yard, is it low maintenance? Does it need some updating prior to tenanting? Uh, so there's some of those extra um, areas that's important to look for. What about the the flow of the property itself? I mean, I'm not necessarily talking feng shui and, you know, your feet aren't supposed to face magnetic north or to keep the ghosts away. Or Obviously, I'm just proving I know nothing about feng shui. <laughs> but but how, how much is, has the, the design of the property have an impact from when you're sort of doing your due diligence for an investor? Yeah, I don't know much about feng shui either. Um, so I don't look out for those uh, for anything to do with that. But look, the, the flow is important um, to a certain extent, but I think it's more so the the size of the rooms. So you want the bedrooms to be a good size. So to at least fit a double bedroom in, you know, the, uh, sorry, double bed in bedroom two and three, for example. Um, so you want, you want the bedrooms to be decent. Ideally, you want there to be storage in the bedrooms as well, or at least enough room to, to install wardrobes. Uh, and then the living areas as well to be um, a good size. So as much as the flow is is ideal, uh, I definitely look to make sure that the rooms are, uh, you know, a decent size, especially if we're looking at a house. Um, you know, you want it to be appealing to families um, and you don't want to have to do, you know, if you don't have the, the goal to, to extend, you want to be able to either just update, you know, the existing footprint the old sort of adage uh, is that, you know, when buyers go into a property, the, the the male will go and look at the shed and go, yeah, I could put my tools here and my TV and my fridge and the, the woman will go in and go, oh, the kitchen's got a nice sort of bench space. Now, so th- some of those are a little bit kind of uh, tired stereotypes, but what what is the difference between, say, someone that's looking at a property uh, from a, from a view of of perhaps you know even as an investor they're looking a little bit emotionally at, at it compared to the analytical approach that a buyer's agent like yourself would take. Mm. Well, it's very important not to uh, look at a at an investment with any emotion, in my opinion, because that'll just I mean it's not an evo- emotional purchase. It has to come down to facts and figures and and the property itself and what's appealing to. Uh, you know, an emotional buyer may not be appealing to the majority. Um, so while a, a shed is ideal in my mind for an investment and a, and a large kitchen is ideal, um, it's just keeping it to those, um, just to those facts really. And not if, you know, the color is ideal or, you know, something like that with the kitchen, you know, the, the, the materials, it's just keep it to, just to the facts. So nice, large kitchen, shed is ideal, um, you know, good living area, like I said, two bathrooms, you know, keeping it to what the majority of the the demographics are after in that particular area um, instead of yeah, going through emotionally because that can definitely jeopardise what you purchase and then you may end up purchasing it for too much as well if you Get em- if someone gets emotionally attached to it, exactly, yeah, and I mean, we want we want the valuer to be emotionally attached uh, if that's something that a valuer <laughs> can, can do. But certainly, the tenants and the prospective new buyers, right? And and you mentioned what was going to be my next question was the demographics, right? You've got to mm-hmm. you've got to suit that to the demographics. So, how do you get a handle on the demographics of that area? How do you understand in this location? 
renters are looking for this or in this location, first home buyers are looking for this because if you can buy an investment that's going to uh, be be something that first home buyers cover, whether you sell it or not, that benefits the value, right? The Give for Growth Property Investing Podcast is presented by our business, MCG Quantity Surveyors. If you're an investor or a property professional looking to get the best tax depreciation deductions for yourself or your clients, please get in touch with us at mcgqs.com.au. It's our mission to help as many property investors as we can to maximize their claims and maximize their property education as well. Yeah, so I guess, you know, being very familiar with each area. So obviously I know Adelaide very well. I know the certain, uh, the different suburbs, different demographics from living here. Um, You can look at data, um, you know, from uh, the ABS or CoreLogic and and you can can do all that research, but knowing the area and, um, you know, living and, and just being surrounded by it gives you a pretty good idea of, what the demographics are, you know, for example, in the inner city, you're going to get a smaller, you know, smaller property. So that would suit uh, profession, young professionals or, or, you know, singles or, or you know, uh, families with one child or something like that. But then if you go out to, for example, the Southern suburbs, it's larger houses, larger land. So it's definitely going to suit families. So if I was, if I had an investor that, you know, had a, you know, $600,000 budget or something like that, and they wanted land, then I would know exactly where to go um, based on the fact that it would, the demographic is going to be appealing to to families um, who want, you know, that, that land um, for their kids to play, the backyard for their kids to play, and then that decent-sized house as well. Um, so it just depends. Um, you get a pretty good idea of the, the areas when you're actually living in the in in the state, really. Yeah, for sure. Like the 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 expertise of the boots on the ground has got a a pretty strong value proposition. When it, when it comes to the topic today, I mean, specifically we're saying what to expect when inspecting a potential investment property. So apart from the checklist, what, what are you going in there sort of with, with your laser focus on? What are you expecting to see or what are some of the things that you're, you're, you're highlighting that this could be a deal breaker for the property if it doesn't tick this particular box? Hmm. So it's, it's definitely any maintenance issues or visually any signs of, um, you know, structural issues. Of course, this is going to be noted on the checklist, but you can tell pretty quickly when you walk through a property if it's going to, you know, cost my investor more than what his budget will allow for. And that, of course, depends on the what the agent is advertising the property for and my investor's budget. But if if it's pretty close to their top end and I walk through and there's, you know, some cornices coming off the ceiling and you can see that the walls need painting. You can see that, you know, some of the cupboards aren't closing properly. You know, it's going to cost them a bit of money to get a tenant in immediately. So going to the property, you can pretty quickly tell what um, what might need to be done prior to putting a tenant in. And some investors will be able to allow for this in their budget, which is great. So it's just noting what... Uh, might need to be done to the property um, so that you're aware of those extra costs if you know if you're successful in purchasing the property there's nothing wrong with maintenance issues you just obviously don't want structural issues so noting all of that and then of course getting a building inspector through 
to check for anything that I couldn't visually see while I was at the property. Mm. And I'm, I'm guessing that you go to a number of open houses, right? And, and I know you buyers agents, you're all very tricky and sneaky with the way that you watch what people are doing and giving signals about whether they're interested or not. I'm, I'm sure <laughs> that a big part of, of being a buyers agent is that sort of psychology and the people watching. Do you, when you see mm-hmm. people inspecting a, a property, do, do they appear to be going through a checklist with you? I, I'm sure that there's every, every now and then you see someone with a tape measure or something like that, but do people seem to have a, a, a checklist or a process that they're going through or is it just kind of wandering around and going, oh, well, that looks nice? <laughs> Every now and then someone might have a tape measure. Um, yeah, you know, no, no, not often would I see someone with a checklist. They are just wandering around, having a look, maybe knocking on the walls. Um <laughs> So I guess, you know, there would be a lot of people, you know, mum and dad investors that that aren't really educated enough on what to look for. So, um, yeah, they're, genuine, they're generally just walking around the house. They, they ask agent the agent quite a few questions. Sometimes the agent can answer depending on how busy they are um, or how knowledgeable they are really about, about the property itself. But, um, yeah, they're... You, you can you can hear them talking to each other and about maybe any potential issues that the property might have, but there's definitely not really a checklist or anything in their hand like I have. Mm. And when it comes to your checklist, is there anything that we haven't discussed as yet, or anything that doesn't fall under your secret herbs and spices uh, that you're <laughs> you're willing to share? So definitely communicating with the agent is um, what I do next. So. Hopefully I can catch them at the end of the open. If not, I would have done this prior or after the open. So asking them questions about the the owner's motivation, why this, why are they selling? You know, is it just because they're upgrading or down downsizing, which is fine, or is it because of the neighbourhood? You know, maybe the neighbourhood is noisy, or maybe there's there were too much maintenance issues with the property. So just finding out why they're selling. Um, uh, I always ask if the agent had received any offers yet. This will give you a good idea of um, how quick the property might sell. Uh, here in Adelaide, properties are selling mostly after the first open, so pretty quickly. So you have to you have to act quickly if you want to put an offer in. So um, that's my next question. Ask you know when, even if the agent does have a best offer closing date, that might be in a couple of weeks it's just not reaching that date generally. So just ask the agent, when are they closing offers? When do I need to get my offer in? Just so that you don't miss out because if an agent gets an appealing offer, they'll just sometimes just run with it and, and bring the closing date forward to say 9am Monday. Um, so ask, you know, ask about settlement terms, you know, what's the ideal settlement terms for the, for the, ven, uh, for the vendor. You want to make your offer as appealing as possible to the vendor as well as obviously a good price. But sometimes these extra con- conditions can help get the offer over the line. So just, yeah, getting, finding out as much information as you can from the agent and building that rapport with them is, is key. Yeah, and I, I often hear buyers agents say that the real estate agents that they love to work with are never the agents that they would sell their own properties with, which, <laughs> which, which gives you some interesting insights. 
I'm wondering whether an agent would tell you that the person is going to move because they don't like the neighbourhood or there's some issues in the neighbourhood. <laughs> would, would a real estate agent really disclose that? Probably not to the average buyer, um, but I guess it's just more so finding out um, about more about the, the owner's motivation. So, yeah, why they're selling, yes, they probably won't tell you it's because they don't like the neighbourhood. Um, but my sometimes my rapport with um, certain agents, you know, you can find out a little bit more than than the average buyer could mm. find out, which is great. See, I, re- I referenced Sneaky before. Uh, and and I, I suppose, you know, you would have relationships with agents because you're coming up with them uh, all the time. But even if it's a first meeting, right, you can build rapport and it, it is reasonable to, to, to expect that you could get some intel that is of value to you, right? Well, real estate agents respect the profession of a buyer's agent. Well, most do. Most that I come across do, which is great. So they understand, well, they know that we know the industry well. So I think that automatically we just have that rapport in in that sense just because of the profession itself. Um, And they know that I've educated my buyers uh, around the process. So I guess essentially it would eliminate a little bit of the the work for them when when dealing with a, a purchaser because they they deal with me throughout the transaction. So, yeah, if I haven't met an, an agent before, it's it's generally a good experience because they do like dealing with buyers agents. Yeah, well, you you're you're not there ever as a tire kicker, right? Like if you're there, there's a potential deal on the table. Exactly. Uh, so yeah. you, you know, you, I I don't understand selling agents that don't relish the opportunity that that buyers agents bring right because they're going to negotiate you know hard but open and fairly and consistency and they're not they're not there for a good time they're not there going like oh let's do something on a sunday afternoon let's go and have a look at number seven because you know i i wonder about those guys you're there for a real reason so just finish us off with off with your top tips you know when you're inspecting a potential Mm. investment property what 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 are the top things that you think people need to understand well, again, be prepared. Uh, my, yeah, one of my top tips would be prepared and take a checklist as well as a walkthrough video of the property. Just take a detailed video just so you can look back on that. Um, that'll just help you when you are not, you know, in a busy open um, to, to be able to look back and just see what you've noted. So that check, checklist really does help. Um, uh, definitely build that rapport with the agent so you can you know, ask as many questions as you need about the property. Um, that's definitely key. Um, and then, yeah, while you're at the property, look for any visual structural issues that that could cause an issue um, or, you know, you could be out of pocket for tens of thousands of dollars for. So, so do that visual check and then get a building inspection. I, I would never purchase a property without getting a building inspection. Um, so I definitely re- recommend that to, you know, home buyer or an, an investor or a home buyer. So, um, yeah, they're probably my top three tips. That's awesome. And hopefully we see people not wandering around aimlessly, marching through with real purpose based on some of your, your tips and putting their own checklist together. Jess, it's, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for joining me on the show. Thanks, Mike. Cheers.